listeners. This is me. I am here, and obviously you can tell from the title, I'm going to talk about everything Galaxy's Edge. A little bit of background on Galaxy's Edge. Bob Iger announced at D23 on August 15th of 2015 that Galaxy's Edge was going to be a thing and that they had the plans and the work, and that's when it was all presented to the world. And I think probably, I don't know how old I was in 2015, but I hadn't even seen Star Wars yet in this year. Pretty sure the world probably freaked out. Fast forward, May 31st, 2019. Galaxy's Edge opens in Disneyland with one ride. Followed a few, you know, a few months later, August 29th, 2019. It opened in Walt Disney World. The two lands are carbon copies of one another, and they are each 14 acres and each cost $1 billion, roughly estimated. That's a crazy amount of money, but we all know Disney's really rich and they're taking over the universe. So we're all kind of, you know, mildly okay with it, even though it scares us a little bit. But if it gives us places like Galaxy's Edge and Pandora and Disney World and all these great movies, you know what, we'll take it. So Galaxy's Edge actually takes place on a original planet called Batuu. It is an original planet and it is technically canon. However, this planet is not in the film's. Galaxy's Edge could have maybe done a planet like Tatooine or one of the ones that we've known or seen in the movies. However, it is kind of a Disney World and Disney Park standard started by Walt Disney that they do want to maintain originality. I think some people are probably already displeased with all the, you know, kind of immersion stuff that they're doing off franchises already. So they do want to keep an element of originality, but there's definitely a lot of you know, the modern new Star Wars influence in this land, as well as homage and, um, you know, things that they're definitely paying tribute to all the Star Wars movies that came before us as well. So the Imagineers that worked on Galaxy's Edge actually drew inspiration from real-world locations. These locations included places like Istanbul, Morocco, Jerusalem, and they even traveled there to study the architecture, culture, and weather. This is really interesting reading this and researching about this because in hindsight, I didn't notice those things, but when I think about it now, I do think and I look at my pictures and I'm like, wow, yeah, I can totally kind of see that. Anyway, we're going to do the rest of this episode on Galaxy's Edge. We're going to talk about everything important, all the food for you Disney foodies, the rides for you thrill seekers, and of course, the cool, unique experiences that Disney's Galaxy's Edge offers. First of all, how do I know so much about this? A lot of you might be thinking, oh my God, you watched the Star Wars movies like two seconds ago. What makes you an expert? I'm not an expert on Star Wars by any means. I know a lot of you people have been in this fan game for a long, long time. But I do know a lot at this point because when I do these episodes, I do research a lot about this stuff. I also went to Galaxy's Edge and partook in a lot of the things that it has to offer. I was a former cast member. I did a Disney College program recently. And I have a little bit of insider cast member knowledge. That's kind of cool. Probably not going to last too much longer, but I have it as of now. And then on top of that, I did do a lot of Star Wars immersion. I did do the 10 movies in five days. Then I watched Rise of Skywalker. This was after I went to Galaxy's Edge. Watched all the Mandalorian episodes. I've started the animated Clone Wars series. And I also did get to go to Galaxy's Edge. So I'm pretty, you know, into Star Wars. It's To say it's taken over my life in the past few weeks or so, it's, it's an understatement. So no, while I'm definitely by no means an expert... I have my fair share of knowledge at this point, and I have done a fair bit of research, and I do a fair bit of research every time I do anything, because I'm not going to just talk about things that I have no knowledge about. 
Anyway, back to the point. General General overview, my general opinion of the land. It's a great land. Very visually nice. Pleasing. It's big. It definitely holds up to Pandora, which is Disney's newest land besides Galaxy's Edge. Definitely, you can tell it has the same kind of huge budget, high quality, very immersive look. Uh, Galaxy's Edge is definitely a lot bigger. And you can definitely see the multicultural inspirations in it. And you can tell that they spent a billion dollars on it. It's super, super beautiful. Honestly, I can't even think of anything out there like it. I mean, I guess of the likes of Harry Potter World and how, how amazing Harry Potter World is at Universal Studios. But Galaxy's Edge is newer. And I think you can tell it is. So probably one of the other first reasons that people come to new things that Disney builds. Definitely the rides. Now, Galaxy's Edge only opened with one ride at first, which I think probably contributed to the lower attendance in the beginning. However, the crowds were pretty huge when I was there, and I did get to ride both rides. Uh, This ride, Rise of the Resistance, had just opened a few weeks ago prior to me coming to Galaxy's Edge. Therefore, it was extremely busy, and everyone was trying to get on this ride. Luckily, I was able to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and get on the ride. I'll talk about that in just a sec, but first we're going to talk about the ride that came out first. So the first ride is the Millennium Falcon ride, Smuggler's Run. I'm not going to lie, this ride was a bit disappointing to me. It felt like a super high-budget Star Tours that could have just been much better. If you've never ridden this ride before, it does have a really big interactive element to it in which you have one pilot, or actually two pilots, two gunners and then two engineers the engineers are in the back gunners in the middle pilot at the front you press buttons pull levers do all this stuff that makes the ride feel very interactive how your teammates and ride mates perform on this ride does determine how your ride goes so it can be different every time this is a very cool sentiment until your pilot is a crying five-year-old child who cannot reach the buttons honestly my heart felt for this poor little child she was crying the entire time she was very I would say, uh, what's that word when, when, when children get, um, what's it called? There's a word for it. She was disturbed, I guess, by the ride. And I felt bad for her because when you start crashing the ride, it just, it's bumpy the entire time. Not a very pleasant experience. On top of the fact I was in the engineer position, so I was in the back of the, the ride seats Honestly, probably not a very good ride experience for me. Probably contributes to the fact that I don't like it that much. Um, But also, it was interactive to the point of it being problematic. And I also am a firm believer that every ride needs to have every seat on that ride to be a good seat to be a great ride. That was a bit wordy. But basically, no matter where you're put on the ride, it should be a good experience. And if that's not happening then that really takes away from the ride, especially if you're someone who waits like hours in line and then you get the engineer seat. So kind of a jaded experience for me, but I do I do have friends that really loved the ride. So just because my ride experience didn't go that great doesn't mean that yours won't. Have faith. May the force be with you. All right, the second ride that's open right now is Rise of the Resistance. This ride is perhaps the most in-demand ride in Disney World right now. It is in so much demand that you can't just walk in and wait in a all-day line. You can't get a fast pass for it. No. You have to wake up at like 4 in the morning and get to the park at like 5. 
wait outside of the park until they open it for an hour or so, get into the park, scan in, frantically try to get on the My Disney Experience app and get a boarding pass onto this ride. They all basically get taken up by the time it is 7.15 or 7.30, kind of depending on what the day is, and then you get a time slot in which you can go ride that ride. So if you get in there kind of later, you're still not guaranteed to go on it. So you want to get there really early, get real in front, and get on the ride. Despite the fact this being something I would like probably never thought I'd ever do is get up that early in the morning for a ride, I did have a friend that was willing to do it with me, so we both did this. We both got boarding passes, super exciting, uh, after I rode the Smuggler's Run ride. About 8 o'clock, 8.15, we basically had a walk-on to Rise of the Resistance. So my first impressions of this ride was that it was honestly kind of amazing in, in its own way, very different than what Disney has ever done before. Very universally, it is totally an experience unlike anything I've ever done before. You kind of have this starting point where you has all this cool technolo technology stuff and you see like this hologram of Ray, which is really cool. And then you walk outside and it's like you're on the planet getting ready for a mission you go into this other ship and it's kind of your, you have Poe on the screen and then you get out of the ship and then you walk into this room and if you've seen any of the pictures or anything, but there's this room of just lines of stormtroopers that are just like slightly moving so it kind of looks like they're alive and it's really, really visually stunning, visually amazing and it's like you're on a first order ship. You're on the ship and then the attractions workers when they're grouping you are basically completely in character as interrogators. They group you, put you in a room. This room is technically your interrogation room. You're getting interrogated by General Hux and Kylo Ren. And then you are taken from that room as if you are actually getting rescued. You run to your ride cart. You get on your ride cart. Thus commences the ride, which like basically the way I describe it is that if we were at Universal Studios and Men in Black and Spider-Man and then the Millennium Falcon ride had a very high budget ride baby you would get Rise of the Resistance. It's an extremely large-scale environment, and it's different than anything at Disney. I know I've said that before, but I can't stress that enough. It's very, very just, like, new. I just I can't describe it. It's really amazing, immersive, multifaceted experience. I will say that, uniquely, I did get evacuated off the ride the first time that I tried to ride it. I'm guessing my ride experiences did not really go as planned. They didn't go as well as they could have. But I did get a fast pass after I got evacuated when I was in the interrogation room. Kylo Ren was using the force on us and then the ride went down. And then I really was not sure if it was like part of the ride or if the ride was down. It was kind of notorious for going down since it's so new. And then I was like, um, is this supposed to be happening? Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> got evacuated off the ride, left with a fast pass, came back later that day, re-rode the ride, got to do it all the way through. That was nice. And I still feel like it was an actual great ride. If I'm being honest, neither ride at Star Wars at the moment beats Flight of Passage in Pandora to me, but they are good. Rise of the Resistance is definitely better and will certainly be worth your fast pass whenever they get to the point where they're doing fast passes for them. There is hints at a third attraction in the works for Star Wars. Hopefully that happens. We'll see. Also, next, another big reason people come to Disney World for things is the food. Honestly, I didn't eat too much, but I did get to drink the blue milk. My friend and I did go to Oga's Cantina. 
where the environment was absolutely amazing, but the menu was absolutely gross. I tried the blue milk, which was edible. You know, I could get it down my throat. It was like this thick, milky, sweet tart. And then I had this, like, gelatin pop rock thing with dried cranberries in it. I don't really know what it was, but I was like, I should buy something. I'm here. And honestly, I don't know. It was not great, but, you know, I could eat it. And it was worth buying those things to go into the uh, environment where they had this cool, like, robot DJ. And pictures and videos on my phones really didn't do it justice. But you seriously feel like you are in... Star Wars. You feel like you are in the bar. It's really, really cool. You should do it. Aside from the blue milk and the other weird drink options, I have actually heard from lots of people that the dining options in Galaxy's Edge are not the best and that you should just go somewhere else to get tachos at Toy Story Land. I don't know. Just don't eat in Galaxy's Edge is what I've heard. I listened to them and I didn't and I ended up going and getting tater tots, which honestly was a good decision. Beside the point, there are a lot of other really cool, unique experiences. That's one thing about this land. It's really unique, offers a lot of cool new things we've never seen before. But like experiences like building the droid, building your lightsaber, the pricey but really cool and unique authentic merch that they have in the market. Those are those are unique experiences. I know that Star uh, that Disney World has had to build a lightsaber for a billion years, but they never had like build a $200 high quality, you can put a crystal in it and it changes colors lightsaber. They have that. And I regret not doing it, but I don't have pockets overflowing of money. Not yet, at least. And hopefully next time I do plan on buying a custom lightsaber. But like I said, that's for next time. But building a droid costs $100. Building the lightsaber costs $200. And the merch, like I said, pretty pricey but unique and different. Now we end with the way that I make my life easier and more organized, a pro-con list. This is how I make any decision. Let's start with the cons. We always want to end on a positive note. The cons, definitely the crowds. That perhaps is the one deterring factor of this land. The crowds were really, really horrible. I did get to see Galaxy's Edge almost empty and with sunset when I you know, walked in at six in the morning. But realistically, not everyone's going to do that. And by the time... I would say maybe 30 to 40 minutes past, it was already so busy, and it was, it was ridiculous. The prices, another con, really, really expensive, but you really do need to go in with realistic price expectations and know that like all these really cool, unique experiences that I'm talking about, it's going to cost you a lot of money on top of your expensive park ticket. Another con, obviously for me, the Millennium Falcon ride was kind of a con, but a lot of people would probably disagree with that. But I don't know, it was disappointing. And then also the last con, which is actually the first pro also, is that it's too immersive. And what I mean by that as a con is that is it really Disney-like anymore? I know as a cast member and from conversations that I've had with cast members that are currently working there, that they feel like it doesn't really feel like Disney anymore because it's so immersive that everything has to be Batuu, Star Wars, and in the universe. That means they can't say things like Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. This is Star Wars land. Christmas doesn't exist for all we know. So it is so immersive to the point where it's like losing that magical, personable, customer service kind of quality that Disney is really famous for giving. However, that's also my first pro. Very immersive, stunning, beautiful build quality for the land. Free roaming characters. If you want to get away from the world and go into Star Wars, this is the place. 
And to be honest, why do we spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on vacations like this to go and be away from real life? So that's also my first pro, very immersive. Second pro, a unique and high quality experience. Despite the price points, this is definitely unique, high quality merchandise. Like, I don't know, it's good. It's like you're paying a lot of money, but it's almost like you can almost say it's worth it because you're getting this lightsaber that you can put different colored crystals in and it changes colors and it feels like you're really in the movie. That's what you're paying for. Finally, the last pro, which kind of basically goes with the first two, you're living in Star Wars land. That's it. So conclusion, definitely go to Galaxy's Edge. It's amazing, and especially if you're willing to drop the cash for all the cool experiences, I can see it totally being something to remember. I'm not sure if the crowds will ever, will ever go away, but maybe with time, they will. But if new things keep coming out, the crowds are going to come. Go in with a realistic crowd, line, and price expectation, and you will be blown away. Make sure you bring people that you want to be with, people that you're willing to wait in those lines with, and eat somewhere else. Eat in Toy Story Land. Get some tachos. Try the blue milk. Go to Oga's Katina. It's worth the experience. Build a lightsaber or a droid. I wish I did. I'm totally going to build a lightsaber next time. And that's all I have for you today. Go to Galaxy's Edge. May the force be with you. Thank you for nerding out with me. Thank you for listening. And have a wonderful day.